I know it's hard this time of year to make this time change, but I want to say how proud of you I am that you're here today. And so I just want to uh, launch into uh, what our topic is today. So um, in December, uh, Christmas Eve services, and then through the month of January, we asked uh, everyone to send questions that you would have for God and text those to me. And you did. And then what I did is I took all those questions and then compiled them and uh, you know, broke them down by themes and came up with uh, eight weeks that we're going to talk about the questions you have. If you could ask God one question, what would it be? And so uh, that's the series that we're in right now. So I'm going to invite you, if you would, to grab your message notes. They look like this, and you can pull them out. They're going to be really handy today as we follow along and talk a lot about a topic that uh, many of us are well acquainted with, uh, and that is as we talk about this issue of pain and suffering. Why is there so much pain and suffering? You have a Bible, you can open to John chapter 16. That's where we'll be today uh, in the beginning and then at the end of our time together, John chapter 16. If you don't own a Bible, it'd be awesome for you to have one in your home, so you can just take one today. They're free. They're right out on the bookshelves out there. We'd love to give you one <coughs> as well. So uh, as I was compiling the questions and going through them, the number one question that kept popping up uh, had to do in some manner with this idea of pain and suffering. And so why is there so much pain and suffering? Why doesn't God do more about pain and suffering? Uh, how do I understand pain and suffering? Uh, if God is good, if God is all-powerful, why doesn't he stop pain and suffering? You know, all kinds of questions, even personal questions about your world, about someone in your life that doesn't seem to be being healed. And then, you know, where's God if this person is not being healed? Those kinds of questions that you have. And so that was your number one question, but you know, it's not just your number one question. Americans were polled actually a couple of years ago, and they were asked, if you could ask one question to God, what would it be? And that was the number one question as well. What does, what does God have to say about pain and suffering? So that's what I'm going to try to cover today, and so I just really appreciate your prayers as we do this, and you know, I want to be sensitive to everyone in the room, knowing that um, some people are right in the middle of suffering right now. And so just me talking about this today is going to be very difficult. And so I just want to tell you that I empathize with you, and uh, so does our church. And so there will be people around you who will actually be praying as I talk today because they're not in the middle of suffering right now, and they know how painful it is that you're here. And so we just want to thank you so much for you know, trusting us to be here. I know several people were invited just because of the topic today. So I just want to say as I begin that even though I've been through my own seasons of loss and pain and suffering in my life, I don't for a minute believe that I have experienced every level of suffering that a person can. So I have experienced my suffering. I've gone through my levels of pain. I don't for a second believe that I have the answers, uh, all the answers that, it's gonna, that would satisfy you uh, in your desire to know why has God allowed this in your life and why is this happening. But at the same time, I have learned some things. Uh, having been pastor for 27 years here and uh, going through my own struggles up and down with pain and suffering in different levels and different ways through my life. And so what I want to do is I want to share some of that today in a way that might be helpful. So this is not just all about head knowledge today, even though there's going to be a lot of head knowledge, but it's also going to be asking God to touch our hearts today and to uh, help us so that even if we're not in suffering, that uh, when the suffering does come our way, that we may be more prepared because we were here on this day, more prepared for that moment when it actually comes. And so here's what I'm, got, I'm not going to do today, okay? I'm not going to give you simple 
platitudes, okay? I'm going to do my best to not give you simple answers uh, that are actually more harmful and hurtful than they are good. You know, something like this. Everything happens for a reason. Have you heard this one? Everything happens for a reason. You know, I just want to say that's not the case. So there's not some great cause that's making everything happen and then in advance know the reason that it's happening. What happens is, is, is that we go through suffering and pain and we get to the other side and we look back and then we can say, I can see why this may have happened or here's the result that can happen in my life because of this happened. But to say up front, everything happens for a reason, that's actually very harmful to people. So that's something that you don't want to say. Everything happens for a reason. Here's another one, a platitude that gets in the way. If you just have more faith, you'll get through this. In however way you say that. If you just have more faith, you'll get through this. So I'll just say this. Suffering is not the result of too little faith, okay? It's not the result of too little faith. Grief is not the result of too little faith. So when you have faith, what that allows you to do is it allows you to understand your pain and suffering from a broader perspective, maybe seeing it from God's viewpoint. And so faith allows you to be real. It allows you to be honest about your pain and suffering that you're going through. Faith doesn't wear a plastic smile, just walking around as if everything's okay. You know, work up some kind of false happiness so everyone thinks I have a lot of faith. That's not faith. A faith-filled person is able to be real about the depths of the pain and the hurt and how even in the middle of the suffering that they're enduring, that they can still sing, it is well with my soul. Even though it's difficult and it's very hard even to get the words out, even though my soul is ravaged by pain, I can still know that God is in control. And then the last platitude I want to kind of shoot in the, you know, where today is this, God will never give you more than you can handle. Have you heard that one? Well, folks, that doesn't refer to pain. That doesn't refer to suffering. It refers to temptation. God will never give you more than you can handle. It's referring to temptation. It says he'll always give you a way out. The reality is this. God will always give you more than you can handle. Because as you have more than you can handle, you realize that you are not God. That he is God, and he's in control, and he is in charge. And to realize that you cannot face pain and suffering without him. It's only that when we do it with him that we can understand his love and his compassion. So those are some things I'm not going to say today, and I hope I've shot some some holes in these platitudes or these bumper sticker sayings that you might see uh, to kind of help us today as we begin. So here we go. We're going to jump in with our message notes now. And I just want to say this, one more thing. At the end of our time today, I just want you to know we care so much about where you might be in your pain and suffering or your questions, and I may bring up even more questions today. And so at the end of our service today, we're going to have some folks right over here, and they will be here to pray with you today. They're here every week, but I just want to know they're here today to pray for you about anything that might come up. So on the top of the notes, it says this. I just want to set it up a little bit, what we're talking about. Jeremiah 33.3, this is the theme verse for the series. It says, God calls to us and said, uh, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. So that's what we're doing every, every week in the series. We're calling to God and we're saying, God, would you teach us what we don't know? Would you show us what we don't know? Because especially in this area of suffering and pain, it's unsearchable. In fact, it's actually 
unimaginable. I don't know if you've had a chance to pay attention to the um, stage play Hamilton. Well, there's a certain scene in the stage play Hamilton uh, where Hamilton's son has died uh, in a duel. And uh, at the end of that, he was protecting his dad's name. And so he challenged someone who was slandering his dad, Hamilton. And so after the son has died, they've held the dying son in their arms, Hamilton and his wife, Eliza. Um, There's a number, there's a song that happens right there in the musical, and it's called Unimaginable. And so here are the words. There are moments that the words won't reach. There is suffering too terrible to name. You hold your child as tight as you can and push away the unimaginable. The moments when you're in so deep, it feels easier to just swim down. Easier to just swim down. So as we come to this topic today, we realize it's very complicated. And oftentimes what happens to us is it is the unimaginable that happens. And we can't imagine that we're in this scene or in this setting. And then we're caught and we're in disequilibrium. And we're not able to really stand upright or straight. And so we don't even know what is true and what is real. And that's why we wanted today to plant some seeds of what is true and what is real inside of us. I just want to say in the beginning is that God does not bring suffering into your life. Okay? Many people say, why does God cause this? He doesn't. In fact, look at this verse from Lamentation 3. It said, God does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. God doesn't want people to suffer. He doesn't cause suffering. Instead, God wants the utmost good for his people. That's God. He wants you to know love. He wants you to experience joy. He wants you to experience happiness. He wants you to experience peace. So if, if that's what God wants... And if God is love and God is good and God has all power and he could change anything and he could make it be different than it actually is, why on the earth would he allow pain and suffering? Why on the earth would he allow it? If God is good and he's all powerful, then why didn't he create a world that was perfect and was without suffering? And the answer is he did. He did create a world like that. Genesis 131 says this, at the end of creation, God says, I saw all that he, God saw all that he had made, and it says this, it was very good. So see, God's original design, original design, and was that everything was created perfect, and everything was created in a way that there was no suffering or there was no pain, no suffering or no pain. Well, what happened then? If that's the world that God created, if that's the world he designed, the world he made, then what actually happened? Well, the answer is this, that in God's design, he designed the world to work in such a way that it would function under the top value, and the top value is love. Top value is love. God is love. God loved people, and people loved God. That was the original design. That's the way it was in the Garden of Eden. So God didn't make the world in such a way that people were robots, so that they were forced to love God or they were programmed to love God in some way like that. Instead, he gave his people, the people that he made, he gave them what we call free will. We call it free will. So that we could choose to love him because love without choice is not love. So that we could choose to love him 
And with choosing to love him, he gave us the power to choose not to love him, to choose to reject him. You probably have heard what happened in the Garden of Eden, the perfect place that God had created. Well, Adam and Eve, in their, using their free will, they chose not to do, they chose to do what God said not to do. They sinned against God. They rejected God's original design. And at that moment, right then, pain and suffering entered into our world. At that moment, pain and suffering entered into our world. So the first two chapters of Genesis, they're all about God's wonderful design. It's a perfect place. You go all the way through the Bible to the last chapter of Revelation. It talks about how that will all be restored all through the Bible from Genesis 3 until Revelation 21 is talking about the pain and suffering that we go through because of the sin choice by our ancestors, Adam and Eve. This is what it says in Genesis 3.17. To Adam, God said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. Any questions? It's right there. It's right there. Because Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, sinned against God, the perfect world that God created was no longer perfect. All the earth, all the humanity, all humanity was corrupted. Everything was out of alignment. And ever since then, we've experienced drought and famines and hurricanes and wildfires and tornadoes and disease and pain and suffering and, yes, even death. All of that became part of the world that God had created. Romans 5.12 says it like this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sin. So all have sinned. Everyone has sinned. And that's why our world faces the level of pain and suffering that it faces. We have the capacity to choose God, or we have the capacity to choose sin. The problem is, at some point in our lives, all of us choose sin. All of us choose sin. And I think that will help as we understand this. Now what I want to do is I want to take that, and I want to talk about then knowing that, what are some reasons for the pain and suffering in our world based upon what we just talked about? So I'm going to give you four reasons. Here we go. So the first one is this. I have pain and suffering because of my own choices. So our own choices. If you speed and get a speeding ticket, whose fault is it? So clear. It's your own choice. And then you suffer the consequences of your own choice. If you cheat on your spouse, it's your choice, and you get to live with the consequences, as painful and harmful as those are. If you drink too much, spend too much, sit around too much, gossip too much, eat too much, view internet porn too much, it's your choice, and you will live with the consequences. So our choices lead to pain and suffering. Second is this, the choices of others. Some of you would say, yes, I know that. I've experienced pain and suffering because of the choice of someone else. So the person you're dating cheats on you. Your spouse abuses you. Your son or daughter rejects you and goes down a pathway of self-destruction. Someone picks up a gun and shoots someone else. We can just go down the list of the choices that others make that we who are innocent people can be impacted 
by those choices in a way that's negative that can lead us to pain and suffering because of someone else's choice. The third would be natural causes. Natural causes. Now, we know this. We see wildfires. Um, I don't know if you remember the tsunami in Indonesia uh, where somewhere around 250,000 people lost their life that day because of that tsunami. And we just go down the list of things that keep happening and the natural disasters, natural causes. Natural disasters and, and disease, I'll just add disease to that, are the result of living with the fact that God's creation has impact, been impacted by the fall of humanity. So we said earlier, God created a perfect world. He gave mankind the free choice. And when they chose to go against him, then pain and suffering entered into the world and it affected all of creation. Romans 8 says that all of creation groans, groans and longing for the day that God will make it right again. And then the fourth one is this, satanic influence. Satanic influence. So it's a spiritual thing in some cases that leads to pain and suffering. Some suffering is just the result of Satan's influence. Even though I'll just say, Satan has limited power in this world, this world is still his domain. And if you want to read about a story uh, that really helps us to illustrate this and talk about it, you can just read the story of Job and how Satan came to God and asked if God would allow him to be able to test Job. Because if he tested Job, Job would surely not worship him uh, any longer because he was only worshiping him for what he was able to get from him in some way. So those are four reasons. I know those aren't going to be helpful uh, when you're in the middle of it, but I just want us to have this in our minds so it can really help us to categorize or to, to make sense of the suffering that we see all around us when we're, our minds are just boggled about what it is that's happening in our world today. So the best answer to the question of uh, why, because that's a question many people ask when it comes to suffering, best question to... You know, best answer for why or the best answer for the cause of suffering or the reasons of suffering that I know to give is simply this, I don't know. I don't know. I gave you four reasons right there. I don't know if that's the reason, but I know those are four possibilities. I don't know because I'm not God. I remember after my wife was killed in an automobile accident, uh, that the very first time I got to speak after her death, I prepared a message from Romans, I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And 1 Corinthians ch chapter 13, Paul is writing, and he's writing about reality. And he says, you know what? Here's reality. But right now, I, we see everything through a foggy glass. We, through a mirror dimly is how he says it. So it's through a we don't really can't, can't see things clearly right now. So, as, you know... Before you go out now and try to tell someone, I know the reason you're suffering, just want you to know you're seeing through a foggy glass, okay? You may have some ideas, but you're seeing through a foggy glass in that way. So even if you, I'll just say this too, even if you had the answer to why, I say this to people all the time when they want to ask why, you still have to deal with the what. The why is not going to help because the what is so painful. In fact, the why may even make you angry if you knew it. So instead of searching for the why, and I don't, I don't say don't say why, because you go through the Bible, especially go through the Psalms, uh, 47 of the Psalms are songs of lament, basically asking God why, 
uh, that you see, well, last week we talked about Habakkuk. Habakkuk asked God why. Jesus asked God why from the cross. So I'm not saying don't ask God why. I'm just don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck there. So now what I want to do is I want to help us to know, how can I respond? What's my response to grief and, uh, and pain and suffering? How can I help someone else? But how can I help myself when I find myself in these times of pain and suffering in my life? And so the first one is this. I need to remember that I live in a broken world. I need to remember that I live in a broken, fallen world. So now we're going to look at John 16. The words of Jesus, right from the middle of this verse. We're going to come back to this verse at the end of our time together. But right in the middle it says this. In this world, you will have trouble. You guys been paying attention to the weather forecast we've had lately? And how oftentimes they're so far from right? There's snow. There's snow. Snowpocalypse is coming. Everybody be prepared for all the snow. And then there's none. And then it's not going to snow. And there's a bunch. Weather forecasters can't get it right. Jesus has it right. Jesus, this is his forecast. This is his prediction, prophetic prediction in this world, you will have trouble. No one is exempt. We all suffer. No matter how, you know, we live in a world today where we think we can mitigate suffering. And uh, compared to, you know, generations before, we can mitigate suffering. But they were more adept at dealing with suffering than we are because we have this false belief that because of what we do, how we take care of ourselves, uh, because of our technology, because of our wonderful knowledge and all the information that we have, that we can mitigate suffering in some way. Folks, suffering is going to come. Now, you can help not put yourself in places that would say, I've been made choices that lead to suffering. Or I can have choices that will keep me from maybe suffering as much, but we will all go through pain and suffering. This world is broken. And so I'm going to read this verse from Ecclesiastes 8 on the back side of your notes. There is something else meaningless that occurs on earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. Now, there's a, you know, putting those together, that kind of makes us angry, doesn't it? That the wicked get what the righteous deserve. Makes us angry when we read that. And so what it's saying here, though, here's what it's saying. The writer of Ecclesiastes is saying trouble is going to come into our lives, Okay? going to come into our lives, no matter what we do, where we go, or who we're with. Trouble is going to come into our lives. No one is too good not to suffer. No one is too bad not to have good in their life. That's what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying. He's saying that this world is broken, and so good circumstances, and this is, this is really complicated, good circumstances do not necessarily mean God is saying, you're doing a good job. It's just because we're living in a world where there's grace, and God pours his grace out on everyone. Just as bad circumstances, and this might set some of you free today, bad circumstances are not necessarily saying that God's displeased with you. Once again, we're living in a broken world. In a broken world, apart from how good we are or apart from how bad we are, we're going to experience the effects of living in a broken world. Life is not fair. Life is not fair. The world is full of misery. Suffering is inevitable. And 
aren't you glad you came today? <laughs> Let's go back to ice cream, right? I think that was a better topic. Okay, second is this. Remember, we are not alone. When we're suffering, remember, we are not alone. It may feel like you're alone when you're suffering, but you are not alone. God has promised to be with you in every circumstance you face. I love this verse from Psalm 34. I use this all the time as I talk and pray with people and their suffering. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's right there. He's right there. Now, this is, you know, this is one of those things that I am, I'm seeing through the mirror dimly right now as I talk about this. is because the Bible says that God is present, omnipresent. He's everywhere. And that he's in all places. And yet there's something here that the psalmist is saying that there's some supernatural experience that happens when we are suffering that doesn't happen when we're not suffering, that God is really close. He is right there with you because he wants to give you his comfort, as we're going to talk about in just a little bit, to know his presence. God said this in Hebrews 13, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So when we go through pain and suffering, I mean, it came up with this phrase way back in the gold run days, after a tragic drowning in the life of our church family, that what I'm responsible to do is to lean hard on God. He's there. And I must lean hard on him in his presence. You know, I've had hundreds of people, hundreds of people, while in the middle of some of the most difficult situations imaginable, tell me this, I don't know how people make it without God. I don't know how they make it without God because they know that God is close and that God is with them. And they're reflecting on the realization that in some manner that they sense God's presence and it's giving them peace and it's giving them hope and it's giving them comfort because they sense his presence and they are leaning hard on him. They don't know how they would make it if they didn't have him to lean on with everything they have. That leads us to the third response, and that's this. Remember, we can receive comfort. So sometimes we're inconsolable in our suffering and pain. And what I want to talk about here is the fact that, that we can receive comfort from God, but not only from God, but from others. I know that when I was going through my deep grief uh, after Darla had died, that uh, the verses I'm about to read to you today, uh, for just now, those, those verses meant so much to me because I knew God was close, but he's more than close. He's empathetic, and he's compassionate, and he wants me to know that he's for me. And that's what he's saying here in these verses. Paul's, uh, Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians. He says, praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of, underline this, of compassion. And the God of all what? Comfort. Comfort. Who comforts us in our troubles. Who's there with us so that we can then comfort others in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from him. So we have comfort that comes from God, and that's many times coming from this book and the promises that are here. One of the most helpful things that I did when 
I was in the deepest parts of my grief was I got a Bible promise, a little Bible promise pocketbook. Have you seen those? They have Bible promises. And you can just read those or you can Google that, Bible promises. And that really helped me uh, to start reading promises from God, like his mercies are new every morning. Be able to build, wake up every morning knowing I go to bed lonely and in grief and crying and sobbing in my pain, and I could wake up in the morning and know that, God, this is a new day. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice in it and walk with him. So God was there to give me his comfort. I'm going to read a quote to you from a book that I have in the Pastor's Picks. Uh, it's by Paul Tripp, Paul David Tripp. It's called Suffering. There's so much written on this topic. This is just one of the books that I could have picked for this, but this is what he says, talking about as, how we come to God. God's honesty about life in this broken world is a welcome to each of us to, just, to be just as honest. So God's open. That's what I said. From Genesis 3 to Revelation 21, God's open about the fact that we're going to live in a place of pain and suffering. He's open about it. In fact, an entire book of the Bible, Psalms, is a script of the honest cries of God's people, cries of confusion, doubt, and fear in the midst of the painful trials of life. God never reprimands us for being afraid. He never mocks us in our weakness. He never minimizes what we're going through. He never turns his back on us when we wonder what he's doing or why we're facing what we're facing. Not only can your Lord handle every bit of your honesty, but his word is a welcome to be honest. God gives us comfort, and in that comfort, we can be honest with him. But there's something more that those verses are talking about. They're talking about the comfort that we receive from others who have been comforted by God, who can then bring us comfort. One of the situations I faced in the, when I was in my deep grief was a feeling of loneliness and uh, of physical contact or touch. And so I had some friends, and I went out to their ranch and just to be with them for the weekend, as I got out there, we were sitting out on their porch after having dinner. Um, the wife had uh, been through deep grief at the loss of her father um, and a tragic, tragic death and had walked through that and had been comforted by God. And the husband uh, was someone who was also very empathetic. And there was a certain moment as we're sitting out on their porch where I just said to them, you know, guys, I, I just need to be touched by someone. And so they pulled me. I, got, I was in the middle of them when we said this, so they both came around me, and they just put their arms over me and hugged me, and we just all three sat on the porch and sobbed together. And that was such a deep comfort to know that I was not alone. And so that's one of the ways that you can help people when they are in their suffering. We are God with flesh on, because Christ is in us. And so we can come to people and we can bring them comfort in their suffering. Number four, remember pain can serve a purpose. Pain can serve a purpose. So we're not asked to deny our pain, but we can take heart, take heart in God's ability to use it. Now, this is where sometimes that phrase would come in, there's a reason for everything. And so I've already shot that one down. So I now want to talk a little bit about how God can use our pain and how God can use our suffering. God can bring good 
from the circumstances we face. God is a God of restoration, of regeneration, of hope, of second chances, of new beginnings, and the phoenix is rising from the ashes. God is a God that brings his love to us, and he gives us opportunities for our suffering to be for good for others. Paul's verse that's so familiar to all of us uh, says this in Romans 8, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. There's one thing right there. We just want to stop, camp out on that for just a minute. In our suffering, it's an opportunity for us to become more like Jesus. What was Jesus called? The suffering servant. The suffering servant. In our suffering, we're more able to relate to Jesus Christ, and we're able to know that he relates to us. He is empathetic with us. He is our compassionate Savior because he suffered. He suffered. And it brings us closer to him in intimacy and relationship as we are there with him. So Paul says this, even if we don't know why we're suffering, we could never answer the why in any way. We need to know that God can bring good from it. God wants to bring good out of our suffering. A deep need that suffering people have is to know that there can be something good that would come from this in some way. Not, just so, not so it can be explained, not so that there can be a reason that can be determined, but so that they know my suffering has, can be redeemed that this is not for naught. My suffering can be redeemed. A parent who loses a child to drug overdose or suicide wants to help other parents. A mom loses a child to drunk driver, drunk driving and wants to start an organization to fight drunk driving. A man who loses his legs in an accident ends up devoting his life to helping quadriplegics. I can go on. The list goes on of people who have overcome and they've come out the other side of their suffering and they say, I want to help others because of what I have experienced. There will be good that will come from what's happened to me. Suffering can lead to something good when the person who's suffering determines that the pain will not win. The pain will not win. Determines to make suffering give them a way to help others, to show that life doesn't matter. So Paul, he's writing, and he's talking about this thing, and Paul, um, he says this, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, these are bold words by a man who knew a lot about suffering. Paul had been shipwrecked, flogged, stoned, imprisoned, persecuted, starved, impoverished, and ultimately, he was martyred because of his faith. And yet, he called all of that temporary, temporary troubles, light, light and momentary. I got another quote for you that's really good. This is from Dave Polison, and it's from a compilation of um, articles that were written about pain and suffering and then compiled by John Piper. He says this, God will surprise you. He will make you stop. You will struggle. He will bring you up short. You will hurt. He will take his time. You will grow in faith and love. He will deeply delight you. You will find the process harder than you ever imagined and better. 
Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. No matter how many times you've heard it, no matter how long you've known it, no matter how well you can say it, God's answer will come to mean something better than you could ever imagine, that God has a purpose in your suffering. And the last is this. Remember, dark days won't last forever. Remember, dark days won't last forever. Now, when I say that, I'm not, I don't want to minimize your pain, okay? Because you could hear me saying right now, when I walk through this, you could hear me saying, ignore your pain, ignore your suffering, because there's a better day coming. You know what, folks? We're living in the time in between. And so we're living in the time when we will feel our pain and suffering. But the fact that there is a different day coming can give us hope, give us resilience, help us to persevere as we're facing our struggles. See, the Bible teaches that pain and suffering that we're experiencing will not have the last and final word. So the Apostle Paul, uh, Apostle John, excuse me, uh, who is writing the book of Revelation, he has been given visions. And uh, one of the visions talks about the restore, the restoration of earth back to the original design that God had planned from the very beginning. And this is what he says. He says, at that time, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That's our hope. That's our promise, not just our hope. So a few moments ago, we read just a piece of uh, John 16, 33. I'm going to come now and read the rest of it in context. John 16, 33, Jesus says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So what Jesus is saying here, he's saying you will have pain and you will have suffering in this world because this world is under the curse that was placed on it because of Adam and Eve's sin. Because of that, you will have troubles. That's his forecast. So don't be surprised. And then he says this, and here's my promise to you. No matter what you face, no matter what comes your way, you can have my peace. And because you have my peace, you can be courageous because I have overcome the world. And what he wants us to know, what he wants you to know today is that in the middle of your circumstances that are so maybe horrendous and so difficult and so hard and the suffering seems to go on for so long and he wants you to say, I want you to keep walking forward even, with it, even with, if it's with a limp into the future that I have for you. And so this is so important because what we need to realize when we're in the middle of our suffering and pain is we need to remember this, that Jesus calls us to run to him. One of the most damaging things that happens to people is when they're in pain and suffering and they choose to run from him. They choose to run away. When pain is so hard, when it's so deep that they get so angry at God that they turn against him. Because they don't think God loves them. They don't think God cares about them. And I just want you to know that's not true. As clearly as I can say it today is God loves you. God loves you. Here's a quote that I want to end with, and we're going to sing together this amazing song. But the quote is from Frederick Beekner, and it's just kind of a wrap-up statement, okay? Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. Trust in him. You can have my peace, and you can have my courage, 
And even if you walk with a limp, we'll walk with this together because you're not alone. Now we're going to get to sing this song that has within it the lyrics of the hymn, It Is Well. It's a song that we know very well. You can stand, you can sit as we sing this, but it's just a declaration that we would want to say today. It's my prayer that you can sing this. If you can't sing this, just sit there, let it soak over you, just listen to the words of this song as we sing together, and I'll come back and pray after that. Waves in a wind. 
God, I thank you so much for the power of that song and the words that were there that we were able to sing, we were able to have sung over us as other people sang with faith. Maybe we couldn't muster it up in our own heart because we feel so uh, burdened by our suffering. It's so raw and it's so real right now. So we talked in our last series, we talked about that's the power of coming together is that we can help each other be strong have faith, have confidence in you. And Lord, I pray now that you would help us, that each of us is that we would uh, learn to uh, understand pain and suffering, not long for it, but embrace it when it's there. And that in that pain and suffering, we would be able to look for you, to find you, to know that we're not alone, to receive comfort from you, to open ourselves up to comfort from others. place our trust in you. You would help us to renew our hope in the future, in the day that will come, in this time in between that we live, that that most of the Bible is about the time in between, that we would read that and we'd get hope from writers and authors and from who wrote under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we get hope for us in our pain and our suffering. God, I pray for those in the room who are in the middle of that time now again, that they would have received comfort from being here today, that I know that this is not a quick fix. It's not like just one sitting in one service is going to resolve it all, but it just puts us on the right trajectory, God. And I thank you for your patience with us and your love for us can overcome all things. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.